Hello, this is Minute 41 of As If, the podcast about Clueless, where we talk about Clueless minute by minute. I am Joel Torres, your host, and with me today are Ben Sunday and Lindsay Busco. Hello. Minute 41 begins with Cher misunderstanding Elton's intent, thinking that he is a nice guy, because why not? And it ends with Cher saying, stop it! Things things get creepy with Elton um, at this point. Mm. Uh, Cher realizes that she's, she's not rolling with a homie. Um, <laughs> she's rolling with the enemy. <laughs> yeah, she's rolling with the enemy. Starring Julia yeah. Roberts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so this is uh right right after Elton says that um he he does he does not have any friends that are girls in a smug mm. stupid way. Um, uh, and Cher's still kind of going on about how she's just wanting Elton to be happy, um, and all this kind of stuff. And Elton's just kind of taking that to mean that Cher wants to be with him. Yeah, um, what? And there's, there's a point um, where Cher talks about how she knows how hard it was for Elton when he broke up with Colette. And I want to know who Colette is. <laughs> I want to yeah. know her story and how Elton was not friends with her. Well, yeah, girls girls aren't for being friends with. That's why it's so weird that Cher, you know, yeah. she, could, she could just totally yeah, hang out, roll, roll with the goofy goobers or whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Did you think it was weird? I thought it was really weird, um, Elton's explanation for why he had Ty's picture in his locker. Yes. That I, didn't, that made no sense. I had that explained to me by a friend of mine named Alex, who's a bigger Clueless fan than I am, but who also read Emma. It is a reference to a scene from Emma where Emma has painted a portrait of a female friend of hers, and the oh. portrait has been taken by the Elton equivalent. He, uh, his name's probably Lord Elton or something like that, but he takes the <laughs> portrait, and Emma interprets that as a sign that he is in love with the subject of the portrait. But in fact, he's actually in, in love with Emma, and the fact that she's painted this portrait, like, he's able to accept that as, like, a token of her, rather than yeah. of the subject of the painting. That answers a big question yeah. I had. Yeah. So. And that makes a lot more sense as, like, a, a painting. That makes way more mm-hmm. sense if it's a painting. But for some reason, because that, like, that's the thing that you made that she put a lot of time yeah. into. And it's it's showing her talent. And not to say mm-hmm. that, like, pictures don't, you know, you, you don't need talent to take a good photograph, but... Like, it's kind of weird when it, like, it doesn't translate as well, <laughs> at least to me. But that does yeah. make sense, that explanation. Yeah, I had been thinking that the only way it would make sense with a f- picture is if it was a really good picture. If, like, Cher was, yeah. like, a really good photographer and Elton was like, oh, man, this is a really good photo. The interplay of light and shadow, it's an enormous juxtaposition that somehow, like, reflects Cher's uh, deeper personality, the contrast between intellectualism and innocence that exists within her soul. I must have this photo. <laughs> hmm, very good. Otherwise, it's just kind of weird to to look at a picture of one girl so that you can think of another. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he could probably just cut out a picture of Cher from the yearbook and just put yeah. that in his locker. But no, he had to go through this really chicurutous path to show that he likes her. Yeah, I mean, this is what you get pre-MySpace, you know, pre-Facebook. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is what happens. <laughs> Totally. So Elton says the line, yeah, I think we both know what it's like to be lonely, which, you know, goes back to another thing, like you said in the voiceover for minute 39, where she says, yeah, I was, I'm by myself, but I'm so happy, or whatever she was talking about. Like, I I really never got the sense that Cher was lonely, but 
Mm-hmm. There's not that many times where Cher isn't being... It's it's so strange. It's like we hear all this inner monologue coming from her point of view, but there's not really stuff about her other than those surface introductions that we get at the beginning of the movie where she's talking about the, being the typical teenager. Uh, I was just going to say that um, it, I think it, it's what Ben had mentioned earlier that... It's just a development in the movie that she's realizing that she, because in the beginning she's very, um, she's very sure about you know why would I want to date um, high school boys, and it seems as though she's not interested in dating while in high school. Period, since her options are high school boys. Um, but it it seems that as the movie goes on and as she's hooking up all these people by interfering with their lives, um, that she realizes oh you know relationships are kind of great and uh i would like to be in one it takes her a while though i mean also with the focus on relationships and losing one's virginity i feel that being in a relationship is being used as a marker for maturity yeah and this film is like very much about Cher, the young woman on the cusp of adulthood like she's like about to take her driving test and as soon as she has her own driver's license and car like she's going to be on her way to her adulthood. And when she has like her first real relationship with a guy like that too, is going to push her further into adulthood. And certainly if she would lose her virginity, that too would uh, put her on the way. So I feel like her thinking about the fact that she isn't in a relationship and that she isn't in a position to take that next step into adulthood as some of her friends are, it, it makes sense that that would be on her mind. And like, maybe that's what she's thinking of when she notices the fact that she's alone. Ah, uh, this, this, uh, this minute just goes from like, uh, like what's going on to creepo? Yeah, this this becomes like an after school special pretty pretty quickly. <laughs> uh, I do appreciate uh, the Twin Peaks reference that I did not get when I was a kid at all because <laughs> I had not watched Twin Peaks. <laughs> well, I mean, point. is there is that referring to a specific scene in Twin Peaks? Where the thing is, I don't think so. <laughs> okay, I think it's just, sure, it's just the existence of Twin Peaks. Like okay. this is weird. It's weird going on. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So there wasn't like a mi- a scene where Ray Wise tried to kiss Kyle McLaughlin because he totally misread the situation while they were well. Uh, there definitely was a scene like that, but well. no, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, she just meant that she looked in the rearview mirror and she saw Bob. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the, he's like he pulls over. I knew it. I knew it. And like the unbuckling of the seatbelt, the leaning in, like. Mm-hmm. Dude, you are making a lot of assumptions based on a very short conversation. Yeah. And the thing is, I I I could up until that point forgive like the uh, the misunderstanding if he's that dense um in the maybe trying to get one kiss, maybe. Like that I could get that maybe there was a misunderstanding, but he goes in <laughs> after she pushes him off uh multiple times. He does not take no for an answer. <laughs> Yeah. Which is very creepy. Yeah, no kidding. Not not very ni- nice guy. And, and he's not even thinking just, oh man, I think I have a shot with Cher. Like, he's yeah. very confident in, in his own attractiveness to her. Like, he says, you were totally sprung on me. Which, to oh, me, yeah. I feel <laughs> saying, like, obviously this woman is so completely into me that I don't even need to talk about it with her. I can just, like, go in for the kiss and she'll just accept it. Because, obviously, she will. Obviously, I'm yeah. too attractive to resist. Yeah, like, I'm that hot and popular. Why wouldn't she want to make out with me? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know and who then... my father is? We need to make out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, yeah, it's the ultimate pickup line. <laughs> it's even better than, do you know who I am? <laughs> do you know mm, yeah, who my yeah. father is? <laughs> <laughs> there is an interesting contrast between where Elton's mind is at and where Cher's mind is at, at least at the beginning of this minute. Because when you mm-hmm. look at Cher talking to Elton, she's coming across as, at least to me, very maternal. Yes. Like, your happiness means a lot to me. And, oh, I saw how hard your breakup was. And I... This is like the ultimate line to me. I'd really like to see you settled already, which sounds very much like something my mother would say to me, you know? <laughs> that's <laughs> like it's Emma about time you settled too. down with a nice girl. Oh, yeah. is it an Emma line? Well, I feel like it certainly should be. I mean, I like, the yeah, tone it, of it. Yeah. It seems like it would be, yeah. Yeah. But like coming from a 15-year-old girl. <laughs> You're a man of 19 years or something like that. Yeah, certainly uh-huh. you should have met a wife by now. Yeah, I mean, you're like a couple of years away from dying of consumption. So it's about time to put down <laughs> roots. <laughs> Where are the grandchildren? <laughs> to, uh, I'm, I'm going to peer into the future and talk about how these people have all these uh, relationships, but nobody has any uh, children. That's that's not Los Angeles, I know. So. <laughs> This is probably, I would say, like, the most uncomfortable that the movie gets. Um, this and, like, the following minute. Yeah, the next minute, too. Um, mm-hmm. Are just, it, it's the most, like, I guess discomforting. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Especially when, because Cher is essentially trapped in the car with him. Um, yeah. She's she's mm-hmm. an hour away from home, about, uh, depending on how long they were listening to that Cranberry song. Um, maybe 40 <laughs> minutes, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, she's, she's in this car with him. She's relying on him for a ride home. Um, and he's in the middle of, it seems like all the businesses where he's parked are closed. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's like, they're in the middle of nowhere. She does have a cell phone. Uh, but that seems like a really scary situation where like someone's coming on to you super strong. Um, and they're not getting the hint. Of, like when you push them off and tell them, ew, no, as if, <laughs> um, that they just don't get it. Like that's, that seemed like a very scary situation to me. Like I'd also say it's not just the scariest scene in Clueless. It also feels to me like maybe the most realistic scene in Clueless. Yeah. Cause I mean, throughout the rest of the film, I feel like we're taking place in sort of a satirical heightened reality. Everything isn't supposed to be exactly as it is within teen life. But at the same time, this particular scene feels very much like something that could actually happen to a person. Or no, I mean, frankly, it does happen to people, like, all the time. Everywhere I walk with my baggy pants, Shoop is playing, so I don't know what you're <laughs> talking about. <laughs> okay, yeah, I forgot I forgot that Clueless was based on your life story. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't really appreciate you guys throwing shade at the uh, the Circus Liquor, which is, is known to be a very <laughs> safe location, you know? Yeah. When you pull off the side of the road, as long as you could see that clown holding that giant neon sign, you know everything's going to be okay. So. Yeah, and uh, Joel's wife hates when uh, he calls her woman, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, but he won't quit, though. He won't quit. <laughs> yeah. I can't, you know, I work completely in binary. I have to keep identifying people as the sex they are. But I'm terrible with names, so everybody. Yeah. Hello, man. Hello, woman. <laughs> Hello, man. And let's not forget that woman has mocking, but not necessarily misogynistic implications. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's okay. Yeah. According just to let Elton. let it go after that. He said enough big words. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. According to Elton, it's okay to say what you want to girls, I think. Yeah, because, I mean, it's not like they're, they're equal or anything. They're not friends. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Ben... As somebody who was formerly a high school boy, okay, did you feel yourself cringing at the monologue part, like 
because I kind of felt like I can see not 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 being in the situation where like I'm gonna trap a girl, but I can definitely see myself having seen many movies where somebody says a dramatic like declaration of love to somebody that may not be aware that they even like them. Like this this is something that I can see my high school self having probably attempted at least. You know, I don't have the, I was never the kind of person with the confidence or presumption to be like, hey, we're together. I guess that means we have to be. <laughs> I'm not talking I'm glad you Elton. never took that approach either. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, I, I feel like what makes this scene from Elton's perspective less relatable to me is that this isn't really a decoration of love on his part. Like, he isn't Correct. saying, Cher, I love you. It's more like he's saying, Cher, I know that you love me. And that's very presumptuous and not something that I would ever do myself. It's more like, like, the scenes that I would find relatable is where the guy is revealing his attraction to the, the woman and then, you know, hoping that it's reciprocated. That's true. That's true. With this, it's definitely um, a lot more arrogant and smart. Yeah. And, like, very yeah, presumptuous. I, I, yeah, I, I feel like it would be very difficult for anyone to really relate to Elton in this moment. Because if Elton himself was watching this scene, he would <laughs> feel himself that, okay, well, this douchebag, he's assuming that she's attracted to him, <laughs> even though she isn't. But if I were to do it, then obviously the girl would actually be into me, because do you know who my father is? Come on. Elton using the fact that um, he um, used that suck and blow game from um, earlier in the movie um, to kiss Cher... Um, as an excuse, like, oh, you kissed me back <laughs> when I when I forced a kiss on you before. <laughs> um, yeah, remember that assault from earlier? <laughs> yeah, remember that yeah. time we were playing a game and I assaulted you? <laughs> yeah, it's funny games, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it, it's just, it's straight up creepy. Um, yeah. And I think that um, Elton, I, I would hope that, that Elton, ten years later, like, if he was watching this movie... <laughs> He he would feel ashamed at, at what he did and how he went about it. But yeah, he he's very cocksure, um, mm. and it it works against him <laughs> completely because they turn and the movie does an incredibly good job of this of turning somebody who was likable, very likable up until that point, um, and just turning the audience completely against him. Because I can't imagine anybody would be for him uh, mm -hmm. after that scene. All right, let's go on so that we can get to the worse than minute 41, 42. Yeah. Let's, let's I mean, not, right. not quality wise. I'm talking about, uh, yeah, you know uh, what I mean? Yeah. Well, I'm planning to really phone it in on minute 42 just so you guys. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's fine. You've been working hard this whole time, so I appreciate your effort. So how about other teen movies? What what are some other teen movies that you guys enjoy? Oh man, I enjoyed so many teen movies as a teen. <laughs> <laughs> they they were my jam. Um Can't Hardly Wait was a really great teen movie. Mm -hmm. Um Ten Things I Hate About You, classic. Uh, she's all that. Another classic. Like I feel like the big two when I was in high school were Can't Hardly Wait and Empire Records. And I actually recall a high school classmate of mine saying that there are basically two kinds of high school kids: the kinds who related to Empire Records and the kind that related to Can't Hardly Wait, as if <laughs> battle lines were drawn between them. Oh wow! Oh. Wow, that's really deep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, uh, aside from those, I really liked the uh, horror comedy Idle Hands. 
also oh, featuring Seth Green. Yeah. That was a oh, lot of fun. You know what? There were a, a bunch of the actors in Can't Hardly Wait were also in Six Feet Under. And mm-hmm. Jeremy Sisto, also in Six Feet Under. Mm. <laughs> so that's there's there's something. <laughs> I don't don't ask me what it means. It doesn't yeah. mean anything. <laughs> what does it all mean? Yeah. Uh, I feel like we should have a good one. Yeah, oh. Jawbreaker yeah. Or, yeah. or Heather's. Mm. Yeah. Because that might be a little too older. Uh, like we're talking about the well, things that just came out when we saw them. What about nowadays? I mean, is there anything you can watch without cringing? Teen movie wise, oh. yeah. Like they teens really just do... make me cringe in general. <laughs> I, I feel like they don't really do teen movies like they used to do teen movies. You know what I mean? Like the teen, I think teen comedies exist, but on a much lower. Like I, I don't think that they're as popular. I feel like yeah, like the the young adult movies are now much more action action filled yeah and much more fantasy oriented like i feel like there are fewer movies set just in high school (laughs) where the climax has to do with prom or something like that as it typically was the case in the 90s and early aughts like prom night Mm -hmm. yeah 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 uh i really like for some of the newer stuff like super bad that really spoke mm. to me in my high school experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking yeah, of as far as Adventureland, like, even though that those people are supposed to be like college in age. College, yeah. Yeah. But I still, I could still relate with them around that age. But like, what about uh, any John Hughes stuff? I think I was just right after that generation. I've seen like John Hughes movies. I've seen like 16 Candles, uh, Breakfast Club, um, and some others. But. They they don't speak to me like 90s movies speak to me. I mean, I definitely had a crush on Ali Sheedy in The Breakfast Club. And, well, I mean, beyond that, though, I guess I don't, I don't relate to high school-oriented media as much as perhaps other people do. Because even when I was in high school, I didn't put that much importance on the things I was experiencing at the time. Like, I didn't think that prom was this life-defining moment in a person's life. Or that the romantic relationships that you'd had in high school were hugely significant. Whereas, of course, like in that sort of media prom and your one relationship in high school, they're presented as being of tremendous importance within the context of a person's life. Like this thing that's happening to you when you're 17, 18 years old is going to like define your entire existence. Like you'll look back on it even when you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s. When at least in my experience, that hasn't been the case. Like I, I don't remember the names of any of the people hung out I hung out with in high school. Another movie that I have watched recently, and that is like a teen comedy type movie that is more like I would love to get people to watch this movie, but no one's been interested so far. Um, it's a Disney movie, um, and it's called Descendants, and it's about all these uh, like high schoolers that um, are okay. the children, children of, of the evil characters. Yeah, it is fucking. I I don't even. I, <laughs> it's it's hard to explain <laughs> what it is. Yeah. Um, it's just a it's a departure <laughs> from from everything. <laughs> doesn't it, doesn't it have like a TV show? I don't know. I only watched like the movie. I think it was a TV movie. Uh, uh, I don't even know why I watched the movie, but it 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 is uh, it would fall into the the good bad um, like category uh, of movies. It's it's enjoyable in a, a terrible way. But um, as far as plugs go, I uh, have a podcast called The Forgotten Failures. 
um, and we watch uh, forgotten or otherwise obscure movies um, and determine whether or not they were worth forgetting. Uh, additionally, I've done some writing for 366weirdmovies.com and the Brattle Theater Film Notes blog. Uh, I'm one of the co-hosts of Please Don't Send Me Outer Space, podcast about science fiction and fantasy movies. We watch a new science fiction movie or fantasy movie every week. Uh, on the week that this one is coming out, we're going to be watching a movie called Hawk, colon, The Slayer. I have nothing, no idea what that's about. And the week before that, we watched Repo Man, starring Emilio Estevez, who also was in Breakfast Club. So, you know, it's a real good movie. Yeah, Repo Man's a cool movie. All right. So join us again for tomorrow, which will be our last minute for this week. Clueless Minute number 42. Thanks for joining me, guys. Yeah, it was fun. Happy to be here. Take care. See you tomorrow, listeners. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of As If, the podcast all about Clueless. It is produced and edited by Darren Husted. Executive produced and hosted by Joel Torres with my guests Lindsay Busco and Ben Sunday. Follow us on Facebook at As If the Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at As If underscore podcast. And follow us on Instagram, As If Podcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Shout Engine, or the podcasting app of your choice. Please rate and review if you enjoy. Clueless is owned by Paramount Pictures. No infringement is intended. All rights reserved. Copyright 2016.